Hey, everybody. Have you considered starting a podcast? We here at Screwball highly recommend Podbean for getting your podcast out to a larger audience. Podbean has given us the opportunity to easily bring you Screwball each and every week on all of your favorite podcast services. Use the link podbean.com slash screwball to sign up and save up to 35% annually. You can also use the link podbean.com slash pro slash screwball to sign up for a business subscription. Happy podcasting. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screwball, a baseball podcast. Your home for everything baseball. I'm your host, Michael Pree, here with my co-host, Frank White. Hey, how's it going? This is episode 120 of Screwball, and as you might be able to tell, we are doing a Skype episode this week based on the audio quality. I apologize for that, but we were just traveling, as we noted in the last episode, and we were on a little bit tighter of a schedule and figured Skype would be the much easier course of action here, uh, but we got back from St. Louis and Kansas City. We saw a Kansas City Royals game. And a St. Louis Cardinals game. Cardinals playing the Yankees. Royals playing the Red Sox. Um, two amazing stadiums. Knocked two more off of our kind of quest to get to all 30 stadiums. Uh, we all kind of had a really good time. And uh, we got back safe. But in the name of, uh, you know, scheduling conflicts and, and just to get this episode out on time, Skype was the easiest course of action. So, again, apologize for the, the maybe lack of audio quality here. But we're, we're trying to get an episode out best we can. Uh, but this episode is going to be, as we kind of mentioned last week, just trade, you know, trade centric on the trade deadline. Uh, the trade deadline passed uh, last week when we uploaded last week's episode, so we didn't have a chance to talk about the trades and maybe the fallout of the trades because we have had some time to look at some of the performances of some of these players. So um, Frank and I are just going to kind of go into each trade, some of them small, some may, we may only have a few comments about, and some a lot bigger, um, like some of the ones that we had theorized with, about. So let's just jump right into it and waste no time with uh, some early trades. And I just organized this on MLB Transactions, MLB.com's Transactions, and just went to whatever was an official trade first, you know, from the point of us recording last week. So the first trade that I have listed here is the Red Sox trading away Christian Vasquez to the Houston Astros for Emmanuel Valdez and Weiler Abreu. So the first, I think this was the first indication of the Red Sox starting to sell people. They did sell a little bit, but we'll get to it in a little bit. They did also acquire some people. So the Red Sox deadline uh, to me was a bit strange. And we can keep it in the same vein here. I have two more trades the Red Sox made so we don't keep, you know, rehashing the Red Sox. Um, The Cincinnati Reds, Reds traded Tommy Pham to the Red Sox for a player to be named later. And then the Red Sox traded away Jake Diekman to the White Sox for Reese McGuire. So there's three trades right there that were that the Red Sox were involved in, um, giving different signals. You know, you're giving away Christian Vasquez who's had an unbelievable season, an all-star catcher at this point, um, to this point in the season. But then you acquire Tommy Pham and then trade away Jake Diekman, who's been your better one of your better relievers. So you acquire a lesser catcher and trade away one of your better relievers, and then you acquire Tommy Pham as an outfielder. You know, it, it gives mixed signals to the fans, a team that's already, you know, really treading water. So I thought it was weird. Um, I think it's just a team trying to stay competitive and stay in it. They believe in their team and they believe maybe in the coming years they can be competitive. So I don't know what you kind of thought of the Red Sox moves as a whole here, because the other trade that I'll, I'll just preface now instead of, you know, belaboring the point I'll kind of bring up now is the Red Sox traded also for. Um, as soon as I could find it, they traded for Eric Hosmer, which I thought was really strange. 
Yeah, the Padres traded Eric Hosmer, Max Ferguson, and Corey Rozier to the Red Sox for just Jay Groom, who was a former like first-round pick, uh, former really top prospect. So um, those are the Red Sox moves. Really strange. I really don't know what to make of it. This is the team trying to stay competitive. I don't know what your your impression of the Red Sox deadline moves kind of were. The Red Sox obviously had – they were in a tough spot as a franchise themselves, I guess, um, because they didn't want to trade a lot of their guys away. But in reality, they really traded a lot of their guys away. They didn't want to. They wanted to stay somewhat competitive, loyal to some of these guys. Um, but in, in the, the great scheme of things, they really should have traded guys away. Bogart should have been traded. J.D. Martinez should have been traded. You know, Vasquez, you already mentioned, got traded. Deekman, I thought trading those guys away, great. Get something back for them. Help rebuild your form system. Trading for Tommy Pham was just essentially, I think, just getting some major league talent to stay competitive. But overall, I just thought the Red Sox moves were – it just wasn't a great deadline because they had so much other pieces they could have got rid of. You know, you could have even looked at some of your, your pitchers or, you know, anything. There, there was some other, some other guys that you could get rid of and kind of start getting some prospects back. Like I said, Bogart's definitely – he's a free agent after the year. Even if you're going to keep him, trade him, get some prospects back. Then re-sign them. That works perfect. Now you get prospects for them, and you get the player back himself. We've seen the Yankees do that with uh, Chapman, and we've seen other teams do that. They trade their guy away and end up re-signing him anyway. So I think, you know, Bogarts and J.D. Martinez, I think, could have been dealt. You know, even some smaller guys in the rotation, you know, you could have looked to, you know, trade some guys out of there or some bullpen guys, something. There's other pieces they could have traded. The Red Sox in a hole, they don't – they want to stay somewhat competitive, so their moves were – Trying to be balanced. In reality, you should have just kind of got rid of what you should, what you could have. Right. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think that they should have really. I think they could have struck gold with trading Bogarts and JD Martinez, and I think that that probably would have been the smarter move um, because they could have still stayed competitive, and you know they they really could have built a future there. Um, you know, because now they're really in the middle. And I don't know if they lose J.D. Martinez and Bogarts and don't get if they lose both of them now and they don't get anything for them, that's going to be a big, big time loss where you could have at least gotten some prospects for them in the interim and maybe even sign one of them back in the offseason. So I think it, they just fumbled the bag uh, a little bit on this one. Yeah, because also with first stuff, you could get rid of Bogarts and move Trevor Story over there for the time being. Right. Uh, then you get guys like Kike Hernandez back and things like that. You know, you should have a competitive roster. But, um, yeah, there's definitely things they could have done. You lose Bogarts and Daniel Martinez and some other guys, and you're not willing to spend a bunch of money, you could just throw Devers. You might as well just get rid of Devers now because he ain't going to sign back. He's not going to sign there to be a, to be the only guy there. Right. Yeah, I, it, it's just strange. But, uh, you know, I guess there's a method behind the madness. They probably know what they're doing behind the scenes. But, uh, to it, you know, in the short term, it didn't make any sense to me. So. Uh, I've got three more trades here we can kind of go into because they're all bigger trades. I figured we could just kind of have a conversation around the three of them. They're not total, you know, they're not totally related, but uh, uh, they are three of the bigger trades we did see at the deadline. So the first one I want to talk about is the Orioles trading Trey Mancini to the Astros. This was like a three-team trade and it involved a lot of a little bit of moving parts here. So I'm just going to go through, you know, kind of what happened. So the Orioles traded Trey Mancini to the Astros. Then the Rays got involved and traded Jaden Murray to the Astros. The, his, the Astros traded Jose Siri back to the Rays. And the Astros then traded 
Chase McDermott to the Orioles, and the Rays traded Seth Johnson to the Orioles. So a little bit of moving parts there, and the MLB transactions broke it up a little weird. But the big headline of that one, obviously, is Trey Mancini goes to the Astros, and uh, maybe a smaller headline, Jose Siri goes to the Rays. Good move for the Astros, I think. Orioles, I think that makes sense, because even though the Orioles are really looking at a wild card spot, overall, they, they have to know that this could be short-lived and it might be just striking while the iron's hot. So I think this was actually a great move on both. I think this works for everyone, depending on how prospects work out. And I think the our Orioles could always just sign back Trey Mancini. So the next two trades, uh, just before I let you uh, kind of give your impressions on these, Frank, uh, these next two I have, the Oakland A's traded Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino to the Yankees for left-hander Ken Waldachuk, uh, J.P. Sears, Luis Medina, and uh, Cooper Bowman. And then probably the one of the strangest trades we we saw, and I don't, I, I believe we did talk about this last episode, but I, I figured bring it up anyway, uh, was the Brewers trading Josh Hader to the Padres for Taylor Rogers, Lamet, uh, Denilson Lamet, Esturi Ruiz, and Robert uh, Gasser or Gaser. So those were three of the bigger trades we saw. I believe Hader's trade did break in time for us to talk about it, but in case it didn't, we do have a little bit of fallout from that trade that I think is important to note. Um, but what do you think of these three trades? Uh, in general, I think that um, all three, I think that the the Houston trade and the Yankee trade works for both sides, um, at least for now. Whereas I think the Brewers Padres one is a little bit on the stranger side. So I don't know what your kind of what your impression of those were. Yeah, uh, we talked about the Brewers and Padres trade last last week a little bit. And uh, that trade I thought was just uh, all right, I guess, Padres get a closer who's when pitching good is one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. But you also got rid of a reliever who is second in the league of saves behind Hater. And you had to get rid of prospects and players to do it. So I think if he gets to going like he was beginning of the year, it's a great trade. It could help out. It's just right now it doesn't make much sense because you got rid of a, a relief pitcher with the second amount of saves in a similar ERA and prospect to get almost a very similar pitcher. That's mm. why. But if Hader can get going, obviously that could be a big trade. And then for the Brewers, I thought it wasn't bad because, again, you got – that's why it's the same pitcher this year, but got prospects. That's really needed. But, again, they're trying to also compete and win. So it's like, you know, it's a little bit of a weird trade. You don't really know what's going to happen with that, who wins that until, you know, the season kind of ticks off and we see what Hader and Rodgers do. Right. Yeah, and I think an interesting wrinkle of that trade, too, is Donaldson Lamette was already DFA'd and released, I believe. So that kind of makes the trade a little bit even weirder. I think that's just a, an added piece of it that we didn't talk about last week. But what about the um, you know, the Yankees-A's trade with Montas and then the you know, the Orioles trade with, with Trey Mancini? What do you think with that? Yeah, um, the Yankees trade was, uh, was good for both sides. The Yankees needed to swing for a starting pitcher. Then you get a bullpen pitcher as well, but they definitely need some starting pitching help. Uh, Montas, who has control next year as well, um, it's a good piece. It gives them a chance to pitch him this year. Um, he could, you know, he's gonna should kind of pencil himself into about two slot in the Yankees rotation or three slot in the Yankees rotation. So it's a big piece for them. And then A's, you got, you know, what did you say, four or five players back, and uh, J.P. Sears being MLB ready. We've seen that with the Yankees. I believe another one of those guys was relatively close to the MLB. 
So they're getting some prospects building and then they can, you know, do what they do with the A's and you have as many prospects as you can. Hopefully a couple of them come up and then you got a good team for, you know, three, four, five years. So yeah. overall, they was good. Yankees got a player. We've seen him pitch the other day. Oh, not, not that wasn't the game we've seen, but, um, you know, obviously he struggled, but it's a guy who the Yankees should really uh, be able to pencil in there behind Cole and help their rotation. And then Torino is just, uh, you know, when he's pitching good, when he's on his on his mark out of the bullpen, he's really, really good for <clears throat> weeks on end. And it's just when he's bad, it's really, really bad for weeks on end. Right. So that trade, I think, was pretty good for both sides. Um, and then the Orioles trade, I thought the Orioles did, did what the Red Sox were afraid to do. You have players who you want to be loyal to and help you out. And they're even more in the hunt at this point, the Orioles and the Red Sox. But he's a free agent at the end of the year, Mancini. So you could trade him, get some players back, and then at the end of the year, they hope to resign him. Therefore, you get the same player and you get prospects in return. And it helps the team. But the Orioles did pretty good there. And then if you're the Astros, yeah, you get Trey Mancini. You can play first place, first base outfield. You could DH him. He's a good, a very good hitter. Um, he's okay in the field. He's, you know, average at best at both those positions. Um, but he's a player that's going to hit 270, 280, got some power, and it's just going to be a good, you know, a good bat to have either off the bench or, you know, playing first base for Yuli Gariel, backup outfielder. He's going to get his at-bats, and he should be playing, what, you know, five out of seven games or so. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and he's got to be a good clubhouse, clubhouse guys, because the Orioles loved him and all the stuff he's been through, you know, over the years with his cancer diagnosis. So um, just a good clubhouse guy as well. Uh, maybe uh, – you know, helps turn some good faith, um, some eyes towards the Astros um, with some likable players after the last, you know, over the last couple of years with their their scandal they had. I mean, they got rid of some of those guys at this point, but bring in some likable players that should help as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, you already kind of touched on it, but the, the fact that you bring in a, a well-liked guy around all of MLB, uh, I think that definitely helps the Astros' outlook, you know, from fans, so... Um, I think that was definitely a smart trade on their part. And the Orioles, I thought the respect to have the balls to do it, to be honest, with a team that's really wasn't supposed to be good and is in a, in a wild card hunt. So uh, good on them, too. So the next two trades I got here, I think, are obviously related and are, you know, a sign of where the Angels are at as a franchise. So the Angels traded Rysel Iglesias, the Braves, for Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson. And then in a separate trade, the Angels traded Noah Syndergaard to the Phillies for Mickey Moniak and uh, Jadiel Sanchez or Jadiel. So the Angels obviously selling. There were rumors and there were reported talks about Otani. So the Angels were list were obviously like understanding where they are in the year. Syndergaard on a one year deal got what you could for him. Uh, Glacius, I wasn't sure where he was at with his contract. This could be his last year, or maybe they have him for next year. I'm not sure. You know, I, I thought that this was good for the Angels, um, especially with Syndergaard, because you got Mickey Moniak back, who was a top guy and, and could maybe figure it out. You know, I, I think that the Angels, it's really sucked where they're at, but I think that they, this was these were moves they needed to make. I think that the Braves got a great return in Rysel Iglesias. I think that really helps them out for a playoff run. You know, then you have your eight nine with him and with uh, Rysel Iglesias and Kenley Jensen. And then as far as the Phillies go, you know, you trade Mickey Moniak. He didn't work quite work out, but maybe the Angels can do something with him. And you get Noah Syndergaard for maybe a stretch run here, um, who's actually been pretty good all in all. Uh, Syndergaard's been pretty good this year, just hasn't obviously had the luck with the Angels. 
So those were two of the bigger trades that the Angels made. Uh, they also traded Brandon Marsh to the Phillies in a separate trade for Logan O'Hop or O'Hope. Um, so the Angels very busy. I thought the I thought the Brandon Marsh deal was a little was a little surprising because he's a younger guy. But Iglesias and Noah Syndergaard didn't surprise me. Bit of a salary dump as well there. So Angels busy. Uh, what are you kind of thinking? Uh, you know, we both kind of thought highly of the Angels coming in, but it's obviously showing that they uh, that they know where they're at in the season. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I thought for the Angels, they had to make some moves. I think getting rid of Syndergaard made sense. You know, you, you got to just get anything in return. Iglesias, I believe he signed a four-year contract with the Angels like last year. That's a player there we got rid of. Uh, I'm not sure if it was four years or it was three years an option, but it's a pitcher that has control over a couple of years at the very least. So he goes to the Braves. It's a great trade for the Braves. You get a guy who can close. You can do setup man. He can pitch two innings if he has to. That's a good move for them. The Angels, yeah, get rid of some of the salary. If the team's not going to be good, you don't need a closer. It scares you a little bit to see what are they going to do in the future. If they're getting rid of the closer, they think they're going to be competitive next year. It's like, uh, okay, so what did you – why did you do that? So we'll see what that, you know, what that means. Getting rid of Brandon Marsh, you know, he's a guy they've had high hopes for a while now. Uh, he came up and played pretty well. Now he strikes out all the time um, and his average is very low. So <clears throat> that trade was a little weird. I think it might have just been like, hey, let's get a young guy who we don't have to worry about paying right away. That might have been just the goal there. But overall, the Angels, you know, they did okay. They got rid of some of their guys. I think. They should have traded Otani. He's a free agent coming up and not going back there. And you could have got a lot for him in a form system that's not great. It's getting better, but not great. You could have got, you know, three or four, you know, really good prospects. And maybe you're an MLB player mm-hmm. and you know, retooled and kind of rebuilt around, you know, hopefully Trout coming back. Hopefully Rendon comes back next year and bounces back and get those two guys just be you know, they don't have to be their, their prime selves, but they can just be healthy and, and, and close to what they can be. And then you got you would have got three or four prospects and I will be ready to die. And you got a couple of, you know, Dave Fletcher came back. He was hurt. Jared Walsh bounces back. You know, there's a good, those are just good talented guys. You know, you would have had some, but not trading Otani is, it's just, I think, you know, was, you know, once the reports and stuff came out and we all kind of know he's not going back there, the feeling what he has around the angels not winning it just seemed like once those reports leaked out, you might as well just you gotta try trading them. Right. So it just didn't make sense to not try trading them, or you at least push harder to try trading them and see what you can get, because uh, the team is, is is one of the worst teams in in base. I think they they are the worst team in baseball, just because the fact that their coaching is a mess, their organization's a mess, their prospects are a mess. A lot of my guys for over a couple of years now, and none of the contracts work out. You know, C.J. Wilson, we've seen Josh Hamilton. You know, Pujols worked out for some years and then obviously getting older and injuries and then not being good. That didn't work out. We see Trout now, obviously, is, is it downtrending towards not working out. Tiny's contract didn't work out. Rendon's contract's not working out. None of these contracts are working out. And they have talent. They're supposed to be good, and they're terrible. So I think they're mm-hmm. one of the franchises um, and teams right now in baseball. And they're in one of the biggest markets in all baseball, and they're, they're just laying an egg every year. Yeah. Feel bad for the Angels. I think that Otani would have – you could have gotten the world for Otani, and I think that would have been one of the smarter trades you could have made as the organization. Been like, listen, we know he's one of the more unique players in baseball and maybe one of the more valuable because he can do both. He can pitch and hit. But 
I imagine what you could have gotten. Imagine what, because there was, uh, you know, uh, uh, talks that the Yankees actually made an offer for him. Uh, imagine what they offered. You know, even if it was a lighter trade, they probably offered like two of their top guys. I would think. Yeah. Just I, in good faith, you know. Yeah, it just doesn't. You know, I think they're just scared sometimes, and I think franchises are scared of the backlash they might receive for doing things. I think that's mm-hmm. what the Red Sox were afraid of. But I think that's what the Angels were afraid of. Mm-hmm. You can't really worry about the backlash you're going to receive, especially when you know a player's a free agent or what the best move for the team for the team is. We've seen that many times. We've seen the Cardinals with Pujols, and they let him go the first time. They got a lot of backlash for it, but in, in retrospect, it probably was a smarter idea and not pay him 10-year contract for maybe four or five years of, you know, him making his money worth on it. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, I think the Angels were just afraid of that. Like, oh, we traded Otani. He's one of the biggest players, you know, things like that. But you would have got so much in return, and you're now you're just going to lose him. Doesn't seem, didn't seem smart to just have him play there and just sit around. Because, again, you could have got something for him. You, you, only got, you know, even if the trade value – Maybe not was not as much as what he, he it should have been. You could have brought something back to help out. So now it just kind of sits you there. And now what do you do? Because now your franchise is just not set up very well. Trout's 30 years old, has his injury concerns. Like at this point, do you trade Trout? Yeah. I don't right. see you trading Trout if you weren't afraid to trade Otani. Now, if you were to trade, trade Otani, you trade Syndergaard, you trade a couple of these guys, all of a sudden next year in the offseason or something, you come around and go, hey, let's, you know, we're going to trade Trout. Now all of a sudden you got all what, what Trout's worth. You got those prospects. You already have some young guys like Fletcher, Fletcher, Walsh, guys like that. Uh, Taylor Ward. There's some younger guys. You trade Trout. You trade Otani. Maybe keep Rendon because he's been so bad. No one's gonna want him. His value's probably low. Maybe trade Rendon. You see what the value is. All of a sudden now you got a bunch of prospects, a bunch of MLB talent. You got some young guys already. You might have just flipped the the rebuild from like bad team paying a lot of money, rebuild it all in one year, maybe two years, and be really good. But now right. you just kind of let everybody filter out and you go 10, 15 years without being really good while paying everybody. Yeah, exactly. I just didn't think it made any sense. But maybe, again, there's a method behind the madness. I don't know. Um, and, again, I think it could, it could just be because of backlash, like you said. Um, so I guess there's no dancing around it anymore. Tried to list as many trades as I could before we got to the big one to talk about. But the big trade of the deadline and the one that was rumored – the longest time was Juan Soto. So the Nationals did trade Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the Padres in exchange for Luke Voigt, Mackenzie Gore, CJ Abrams, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, and Jarlin Susana. So big time blockbuster deal. It's definitely going to be the notable one of the year. Um, so the Nationals get Luke Voigt, MLB ready first baseman, and MLB competitive first baseman, not quite Josh Bell, but you know. Uh, definitely can hold the fort down at first. Mackenzie Gore, MLB ready. CJ Abrams, MLB ready. Robert Hassel, I believe, is is triple A, double A, a top prospect. Uh, James Wood and Jarlin Susanna are obviously lower prospects, but I believe even James Wood is a, is a little bit higher on the what was the Padres prospect list. And the Padres get Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who just, you know, infinitely make their lineup better. And I think that. This was a great trade for both sides. Uh, you know, obviously time will tell how the prospects play out for the for the Nationals, but I think the return was fair. I think they may have even couldn't got could have gotten more potentially with Josh Bellin being included. But uh, it was a trade they needed to make. He wasn't going to sign there. You had to get what you could for him, and they got a lot for him, in my opinion. 
I think that the Nationals are definitely in the middle of a rebuild, did the right thing, and um, I think the Padres are really going for it, which they should, and got Juan Soto being one of the best players in baseball, top five guy, you know, so. And you, you signed him to a 10-year deal, you got him until he's 33. You got him through his entire prime. So he almost can't lose here unless he leaves. So, you know, I thought this was a, a really good deal for both sides. I think no matter who got Soto, I think it was a good deal. And, um, and yeah, I, I think that that trade deserves a, you know, conversation in itself. So I, I, I don't know, you know, what are you thinking with the Juan Soto deal? I know we both kind of secretly wanted him to go to the Cardinals, but uh, he ended up with the Padres, which is fine with me too, because I do, I do like the Padres as well. So I know what you're thinking. I thought the, um, I thought the Padres uh, deal was, um, you know, they got, they got Juan Soto and they got Josh Bell, which is obviously great players for, for them. Uh, Josh Bell having a great year. He's a free agent after the year. So you kind of, you know, you expect to lose him. Soto, obviously you got two years at least with him and then you got to sign him. So getting those players, I thought was good. They obviously had to give up, you know, a lot to get them. Uh, the Nationals did get a lot of value back. Hopefully Mackenzie Gore's elbow's fine. Otherwise, that hurts the value a little bit. But I just thought, yeah, packaging Josh Bell with them, I thought if you would have traded Josh Bell separate to somebody, you probably could have got a little bit more for Josh Bell because it seemed like the players they gave up was almost what it would have took to get Soto. They just didn't get too much for Josh Bell in the value side of things. Right. So, But still, I thought it was a relatively good trade. Again, it was the backlash idea. Nash was like, we don't care. We got to get guys for him. They don't care about the backlash. Also, I thought the idea of kind of getting the reports and putting the stuff out there throughout the days and weeks, it kind of got some of that backlash out. So it wasn't an immediate like backlash all at once punch in the face. But yeah, I thought the Nationals, you know, got something. The Nationals did way better in this tr- this trade than the Scherzer trade Turner trade. That one I thought they that was a, that was a big fail. Um, this one I thought they did a lot better. But yeah, it was a trade that had to be made. I thought or a trade that they had to, they had to do something. I thought the Padres, if they really wanted to, I think, really smart franchise-wise, which is something that, you know, the GM and the ownership's kind of going all in. Not really locked in on maybe doing exactly the smartest thing. Um, and, you know, it might sound crazy, but I really think that the Padres really should have looked at trading Tatis straight up for Soto. I think if you're the Padres, you are immediately regret that contract with Tatis, knowing he will never be healthy. He has his own mind on things off season with his bikes and motorcycles. We've seen him crashing them multiple times, hurting himself. It just doesn't seem to, when he's on the field. Sure. You know, defensively a shortstop is terrible. He can't play shortstop at this point, unless he gets way better really quickly. He's not a shortstop. He's an outfielder at this point or somewhere you have to put him. And then his injury problem is just so concerning. You give him that big contract. It's, it's, it's alarming. That wouldn't have been a bad trade either. You know, because you just flip it for Soto, who is an outfielder and a lefty, and, you know, you're willing to give the money to. So I thought that was, you know, people said that the Padres were interested in us, and that could easily be what they're doing. So, um, <clears throat> but overall, you know, with the Padres, you're getting Soto, and you get Machado, and hopefully you get Tatis back for some games. And then you had Josh Bell, you know, they end up adding Grand Jury as well. So they made a lot of moves and they still have a decent farm system. So we'll see what happens. But um, they have to sign Soto. Otherwise, this is a real – to sign Soto, they have to win the World Series. Otherwise, uh, you you know, epic fail and big loss in this trade. Agreed. And uh, just as a side note, too, they did get Brandon Drury 
as well from the Reds for Victor Acosta. So that adds a little wrinkle to it, too. They basically added three prime, you know, offensive guys, at least this year. Um, you know, Drury being more of a current, very current uh, success there. So, yeah, I think that, that they did well in the trade. I think if they sign him and, and make a big, you know, uh, deal with it, I think that it's a success. I think it's kind of hard at this point, if you, if, unless you don't sign him, to kind of mess this trade up. But we'll see. You know, we it, it's very, very early because he's got a very, very sh- early career. So, so let's run through just a few more of these without getting too crazy because there are a lot of trades I have here with it, for the respective time. Some bigger trades that I want to go over. One that didn't make any sense to me that I just want to acknowledge real quick is the Giants traded Darren Ruff to the Mets. And the return for Darren Ruff, in my opinion, was ridiculous. So the Giants got J.D. Davis, who, in my opinion, is more or less Darren Ruff. Maybe Darren Ruff has maybe a little better offense because I know J.D. Davis, there's been complaints there with him. But they got J.D. Davis, Thomas uh, Zapuki, uh, he's a pitcher. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Carson Seymour and Nick Zwack. So they got a four-player return for Darren Ruff. This on top of some other trades the Mets made. The Mets acquired Michael Givens from the Cubs, you know, and some other smaller moves. But uh, I, I thought this trade was weird. Uh, I just thought I'd bring it up. It's not, you know, it's not like it's game changing for either team, but uh, a little strange on the Mets part. You know, I thought the Mets were going to make bigger splashes, but Darren Ruff seems to be a little bit of a head scratcher there. I don't know what you kind of, if you have any thoughts on that one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was not a good trade. It just seems like you're giving up, even if the prospects were lower and, and stuff like that. It just doesn't make sense to give up mm. that much. Guy that's just not going to do too much for you. And in the, great, in the grand scheme of things, the playoffs come around. <clears throat> I don't see him being in your lineup. Right. You really shouldn't have done. You didn't really do much. And then yeah, they got Michael Givens. They got Vogelback. We talked about some weeks ago. Yeah, Tyler Naquin. I thought overall the Mets were terrible trade deadline because. Mm. We heard about for two years now we're going to go for it we're going to pay guys we're going to trade for people you know we're going to make these big moves and you came away with tyler naquin who's not going to be your lineup daniel vogelback who's probably not you know might be in your lineup the playoffs come around darren ruff's probably not going to be in your lineup and michael Givens, who might pitch to fifth inning or sixth inning of games that's all you came away with while the braves yeah. iglesias they're chasing you down ever since june they they raced a 10-game lead you know, I just think you kind of dropped the ball if you're the Mets and all this talk. Again, it's all the talk about them going for it and doing this and doing that and then just kind of did nothing. I mean, the biggest name out of that is, is, is getting Michael Gibbons. That's I, – I don't see that as being a win. Yeah, I thought it was uh, – I thought you, it was strange. It's not like you were – maybe built more like, you know, with the Dodgers, they paid a bunch of money and, you know, they got everybody they ever wanted and their team's kind of – bunch of big names at every position, like you're the mess. You had openings to make moves and, you know, ones that you could make at least bigger swings and you came away with that. It just seems lackluster. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, uh, let's start to wrap up out the trades here. I'll just run through a few here and then we can kind of give, give uh, winners and losers and, um, and go through what else happened throughout the week. So just some smaller trades, the Yankees traded away Jordan Montgomery to the Cardinals for Harrison Bader. Giants traded uh, Trevor Rosenthal to the Brewers. Giants also traded Matthew Boyd and Kirk Casale to the Mariners. Uh, David Robertson went to the Phillies, another big trade for them. The Reds traded Tyler Maley to the Twins, which I thought was a great deal. Let's see. So the Yankees traded away Joey Gallo to the Dodgers for Clayton Beater. 
The Blue Jays traded Jordan Groshans to the Marlins for Zach Pop and Anthony Bass. So that was a weird one. The Orioles, again, having huge balls, traded Jorge Lopez and Cash to the Twins. The Pirates traded Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton to the Cardinals. So the Cardinals getting better pitching. And the Tigers traded Robbie Grossman to the Braves. So, again, the Braves getting a little better. I thought Robbie Grossman's, uh, you know, a good name for them. But those are some of the, the trades that also happen that I have here. There's other smaller ones that aren't really even worth mentioning. Um, you know, Sandy Leone trading, being traded from the Guardians. So some of the bigger trades I'd say here, Jorge Lopez going to the Twins, Tyler Mele going to the Twins, uh, Jose Quintana and Chris Stratton going to the Cardinals is big for them. Joey Gallo leaving the Yankees can only be good for both sides at this point. Uh, Groshans, a head scratcher there, going to the Marlins. He's got nothing back, in my opinion. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, oh, and the Royals traded Whit Merrifield to the Blue Jays, who um, – you know, questionable trade there, maybe because of his uh, vaccination um, status. I don't know if that changed to this point, but, you know, if that's the case, then he can't really play in Toronto, which is strange. So overall, an eventful trade deadline, kind of as we expected. I don't know if any of those trades piqued your interest in particular. You want to talk about any of them. But I thought big winners, just kind of real quick before you get into it, I'll let you, I'll let you kind of give your impressions here. Winners, I think the Orioles are, are kind of winners here. Yankees are winners. Cardinals, I think, are winners. They got good pitching back. Padres, obvious. Padres and Nationals, I'd say, are winners. Losers, Red Sox, Mets. White Sox, I don't think, did anything. Rockies didn't do a single thing. You know, so there's, you know, there's some weird ones here. I thought the Giants had a pretty good deadline. But I'll let you kind of give your impressions of some of the trades I just listed and just your general winners and losers you can start giving. Yeah, uh, Blue Jays, I thought, you know, they got two relievers. They got Whit Merrifield, who I believe said he was going to get vaccinated, so that should be good um, for them. Getting rid of Groshans for the two relievers, I thought was a little much. Um, the guy has struggled a bit here. His prospect rank has definitely dipped, but he was one of the top ones only like two years ago. So I thought, you know, the Blue Jays did okay. Just thought Groshans was a, was a bit much to get rid of. Uh, Twins, I thought, did really well. They got Mike Homer, Roy Lopez, Tyler Melee. They got some guys like that that's going to help them. You know, the Phillies got Robertson, Brent Marsh, you know, they pretty good deals there. You know, the Mariners did pretty good. I thought, you know, the Luis Castillo, we already talked about, so they gave up much there. But, you know, again, they, they made some good moves. You know, I just think Robbie Grossman said a Braves I thought was was pretty good. I thought overall, um, you know, the Giants you know, got rid of some guys. I thought the Giants really could have got rid of Rod Doan. I think that would have been the, the centerpiece. That would have really been a good trade to get rid of him, get something. You know, Cardinals got Jose Quintana, Jordan Montgomery. They had outfield depth to get rid of, you know, especially with young guys coming up still. They had depth to get rid of. They needed a starting pitcher. They got Montgomery, you know, solid. Now it's the Yankees, Gallo, Dodgers. They, that had to happen at that point. Overall, the deadline, you know, was pretty standard. You know, we kind of seen a lot of this coming, you know, coming up. Soto was a big one, you know, but otherwise I thought the thing was pretty straightforward other than hater and then obviously soda was something more came up as the as a deal deadline approach teams wise i thought you know the yankees did have a good deadline they filled kind of everything they needed at the time the orioles i thought they did a, did a great job you know even though they're kind of contending <clears throat> you're not you know you're gonna win a world series uh padres obviously made, got a lot of talent uh the twins i thought made some underrated moves um mm-hmm. that wasn't bank Reds, they got rid of guys and they got 
great prospect picks, especially with the Mariners from Luis Castillo. They got they did great there. Uh, Tyler Melee and Brandon um, Drury, they got pieces back. So I thought the Reds actually had a pretty good deadline. Um, overall, to be honest, I think the White Sox had a decent deadline on the fact that they just didn't do anything. Because, yes, I think this year um, they have been struggling and they've, you know, everyone thought they were going to win the World Series and they still could. But I, I don't think it was the need to jump the gun to start getting rid of, get rid of people that weren't, you know, going to be free agents this offseason as much as just saying, hey, you know what, this year might just be a, this might be a scratch. You do it. Don't trade people away because you had one bad year unless they're going to be a free agent at the end of the year, which I really don't think they have many of those. So I thought they did okay by not, you know, jumping the gun there. Um, or making a bunch of crazy moves to try getting the team better when it's just, again, sometimes you're just, it's just not going to happen. You know, some teams I thought had some bad deadlines. I thought the Mets had a bad deadline. Again, we already just went over that. Um, they're just inability to pull quality players in or like really, you know, big name players. I thought the Mariners, I just thought because of the, the amount of prospects they had to get up, give up for Castillo and things like that, I thought was just a, a bit of a reach. You know, mm-hmm. they got, I just thought, you know, that could hurt them. Right. Cubs, I thought was terrible. You didn't get rid of Ian Happ. You didn't get rid of Wilson Contreras. Um, you know, there was some other players he's possibly you can even get rid of, and they just didn't get rid of any of them. So I thought that was just really not a good trade deadline for them. Red Sox, we already talked about. I thought their deadline was bad. Um, <clears throat> and I thought uh, at the Rockies obviously had a couple pieces they could have traded. I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world they did, but obviously they did absolutely nothing. I thought the Cardinals overall didn't have the greatest of deadlines, obviously losing Soto, losing out on Soto, I should say, you know, getting Montgomery and getting uh, Chris Stratton and, and Quintana, they're good pieces, just that they have such a great farm system. They have such great talent on their team. Um, they're trying to win for Molina, right, right, and, you know, Pugos, things like that, that they just, they feel like they could have jumped in more, maybe get rid of some of them prospects to really bolster this team right now, you know, maybe get in a Montas, maybe get in, Go get Rod Dunn, I thought would have been a great move for them. You know, maybe try getting Josh Bell separate, you know, in the in the trade from uh, the Nationals. You know, I just thought they could have made a little bit bigger move, you know, mm. and getting guys back healthy is going to be like their move. You know, you get Flaherty back later. And Melina came back and, you know, things like that. They're going to help the team just by itself. But, yeah, I think they could have just done a little bit more because they have such a depth, deep prospect farm that they could have just went and pulled somebody like Rodone and then I would have set the whole rotation up. You would have got like, got like maybe Quintana and Stratton or just Jordan Montgomery. Um, well, you know, let's just say they kept the guys they got. They got Quintana, Montgomery, you have Wainwright, you have Miles Mikolas, then you have Flaherty back. There's five pitchers and you would have brought in Carlos Rodone and your rotation would have been Rodone, you know, Mikolas, Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, hopefully he comes back. Montgomery, you know, that's a that's a really good rotation at that point. So I just thought Agreed. they made one big move, and they just kind of dropped the ball. I don't think dropped the ball. They just kind of for Cardinal fans. I know they're upset. You go look because they just they haven't been getting big trades in season. They kind of keep relying on Jack Flaherty, who keeps getting hurt, and some guys come back from injury each year, and they keep making these small moves, saying that teams kind of ready to win, which I can't you can't say they're not, but. I don't know, it just seemed like they could have maybe made one big pitcher move or one big bat move, something that really, really bolstered that that team. Overall, yeah, I mean, I took the deadline again. It was pretty much the hater trade was very, very surprising. I like the Soto trade. 
we kind of seen coming even before the year this was kind of coming if not this year next year things like that so i thought overall it's kind of went as planned it was crazy there's a lot of trades it was like 100 trades you know? yeah it was a lot i think he's got f ross you know there's just so many you know there's just so many guys the twins out of guys the braves got jaco to rizzi robbie grossman which were good underrated moves you know um mm. Luke Weaver to the Royals, which is a you know shot in a dark move. You mentioned Christian Vasquez. You know, it's just there was so much, so many moves. Dear Peralta that we mentioned in the past. Chris Martin to the Dodgers. I mean, like there's so many small moves that you just can't get into all of them. But these going to end up being some of them big moves for these teams, especially you know whatever you know, whatever happens with the Braves bullpen with Iglesias and what happens with the Blue Jays with Merrifield. Cardinals are on a seven, I believe, seven-game win streak. I mean, these small moves, you know, and that's what the team does. Like, they count as wins. You know, then the Padres, that could be the biggest fail of all time if they don't win or keep Soto. So, you know, the deadline was exciting, and you know, a lot of these teams got better. Yankees got better. Padres obviously got better. Twins got better. You know, I think the Mariners got better. They just got rid of a lot to do it. You know, the Cardinals got a little bit better, but, you know, could have got could have gotten more, you know. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else you can really say here. I think National League Central overall was pretty quiet. <laughs> you know, they had uh, Brewers and they didn't get, you know, those teams didn't get much better. The NL West obviously had a, you know, swing for the fences with the Padres and then the Dodgers were already really good. The NL East, they did a lot of small, quieter moves. I think the Phillies had a big a bigger deadline than both teams, both Braves and the Mets. And then the AL, I think, you know, the AL West Astros did all right, smaller. Angels have done more. You know, A's did okay. Mariners did okay. Rangers didn't really do anything. The Central was pretty quiet overall. They could have had more. Twins did good, but I think the White Sox could have maybe tried a little bit. Indian or Cleveland, I should say, they <laughs> didn't do anything. And then the AL East was pretty much expected. Blue Jays made some moves. Yankees made some moves. The Rays made some quiet moves. So these playoff caliber teams, you see them, they made their moves. They tried getting better. And I just think that we really could have seen more with some of these teams like the Red Sox who could have rebuilt a little bit quicker. So the deadline had the potential of being really big. And instead kind of was, other than Soto, uh, was pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's, you know, the deadline's always exciting, but uh, uh, I think that there potentially could have been a little more blockbuster. I think Otani would have definitely made this more blockbuster, um, and I think that would have been the smart move in the Angels' part, but we'll see what happens down the line. You know, uh, we'll see where these trades play out. Time will tell with a lot of them, and that's just usually how it works out. But other than that, I know you've got the, um, you know, the rest of the updates throughout the week. I don't have any news or anything this week. Um so I know you have the hot and cold teams and injuries and all that such, so we can at least keep up with where the league's at, uh, you know, outside of all the trades, which is obviously the biggest part of it, right, you know, at this point. So. Yeah, I got teams here. Um, I wanted to mention just some hot teams to keep on with that. The Orioles have been hot. Cleveland's been hot. Mets playing good. Phillies are playing good baseball. Cardinals won like seven in a row. Dodgers red hot as well. Some teams that have been struggling with Tigers, A's, Nationals. Brewers, um, I believe they got swept by the Pirates not long ago, and they lost a bunch of games. Here, the Padres have been ice cold, and Rocky's been struggling. So some teams, you know, smart and cold teams. 
on the injury side of things, you know, we had some couple big names here get hurt. The total of injuries I thought was smaller, but just some of the bigger names got hurt. Um, Tim Meza for the Blue Jays is out for three or four weeks. Uh, Matt Carpenter, we seen yesterday, foul ball off his foot. He has a fractured foot. He's going to be out four to eight weeks at this point. He should be back in September at some point. Big blow for the Yankees, especially with them dealing with some issues, being cold of late, not really having offense. So that's a big blow there. Tim Anderson, her ligament in his hand. I believe he's out for four to six weeks. Ronald Acuna has been day to day with some lower body soreness, which obviously is a new injury, so that could be problematic. Hunter Green was placed in the IL. Jonathan India left yesterday with the hamstring, which he already mentioned. You know, he had dealt with a couple times, but they should be should be okay, but still something not, you know, monitor. Uh, Kershaw placed in the IL with a back injury again. You know, he's always in the IL, especially with this back injury anymore. And Jorge Alfaro dealing with some knee soreness for the Padres. So um some big names, but a lot of those players there are on playoff caliber teams um, or playoff, you know, teams that could be making runs for playoffs and, you know, they're dealing with some of these injuries on the good side of things. You know, we had Austin Hayes activated off the IL Stanton's, you know, ramping up activity. He should be back here relatively soon. We had, you know, Bryce Harper is starting to do things, throwing and stuff. So he should be completely coming back here in the next couple of weeks. Yanni Molina was activated. Evan Longoria was activated. Uh, Fernando Tatis was starting to rehab assignment. Uh, Chris Bryant, unfortunately, I don't really have a timetable for him. He's feeling a little bit better with his foot, but there's not really a timetable for him to return. And I thought the biggest one at this point, as no one's talked about all year, um, not even us, um, is the idea that <laughs> Tyler Glass now is strong bullpen sessions, feels great, and the, they ha- the idea is he will be back to pitch this year. Wow. And could be back to start games. If he can come back as a starter for the Rays and just keep kind of Rays stay where they're at, they make the playoffs. There's the number one guy at the top mm. of the to add with Shane McClanahan and guys like that. So Glass now, the idea of him possibly coming back here and being a starting pitcher pitcher could be huge for the Rays. Even if he comes back and he's a reliever that can give him maybe two innings out of the bullpen or something, could be big. But that's a that's a big player. He's one of the best pitchers in all baseball. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea that that was the case. Um, that could be a big boost to the Rays. Not that they're lighting the world on fire, but you know, you got a borderline Cy Young guy uh, back on top of the Cy, one of these Cy Young guys this year, McClanahan. I mean, wow, that's big time, um, especially the playoffs. Obviously, bigger blow injury-wise is Chris Sale. Not that the Red Sox are really going anywhere this year. It's not like they were going to you know, all of a sudden make a run at the division or anything, or even the wild card maybe at this point. But um, you know, Chris Sale being out for the season on top of already really not pitching this year almost at all and really almost not pitching much last year is tough. Tough for the Red Sox to swallow. Tough for him to swallow. I know he's a big-time competitor and, does, and uh, wants to be out there. So I thought that was a big blow. And um, But, yeah, you know, all, all in all, uh, again, this is the time of year where a four- to six-week stint on the ILs gets dicey, um, especially when you want to – you're trying to really get at a, a playoff spot. So – uh, injuries are going to be a lot more, uh, a lot more important here coming up. You know, even the smaller ones. So, so we will see who, what injuries can make an impact on the season, or even next season. Say someone needs Tommy John or gets something really bad, um, then it impacts next season as well. So, so yeah, uh, as always, we'll see. Yeah, um, like I said, the injuries and in, in total number wasn't too bad. Um, we had some good news in some players. It's just the idea that some of these are some of the big name players. To teams that really need them and in divisions and stuff like that. So, 
you know, they're just uh, impactful at this point. So other than that, the last thing I got here is our trivia question. Obviously, there's not much we can have a trivia question related to the deadline and trades and stuff like that. Not too much that we haven't already done. So just came up with a, a fun one. I thought was pretty, pretty exciting, pretty crazy. Was um, which player holds the record for hitting a home run the most stadiums throughout their career? And the record is 45 stadiums. So Jesus, uh, only what 30 MLB teams. So that's quite impressive. That 45 home runs or home run in 45 different stadiums. Yeah, but, really. The record is held by Sammy Sosa, who I guess that makes sense. Um, he also played, <clears throat> you know, 90s. Then we had Camden Yards make new stadiums, and then a lot of the revolution with the new stadiums in the um, early 2000s, you know, Cincinnati and, again, Camden Yards. We've seen a lot of teams kind of get new stadiums, so it kind of makes sense that it was that, you know, that time period that he kind of broke the record. But yeah, he holds the record for most home runs or most stadiums with a home run in at 45. Sammy Sosa, the AL record is held by A Rod. He has 32 yeah. for stadiums. No surprise. And the NL record, surprisingly, is Mike Patra with 39 because Sosa, you know, mixed over throughout his career. So he kind of done them in both. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's a trivia question. That's pretty much, you know, I got, like I said, the trade deadline. We went through a bunch of trades. You know, they're going to make, a, you know, big moves for some of these teams. They're going to fall flat for some other teams. The deadline was 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 pretty cool. Uh, Soto got moved, which is a huge deal. Hater was a was a big deal, but was surprising. Otherwise, we kind of seen your average trade deadline. Um, we had a lot of big rumors, though. Um, things kind of got crazy. We had a lot of prospects. A lot more teams invested or trying to stay competitive than go for the complete rebuild, which is really not a bad idea and not a bad thing for, for baseball. See more teams somewhat competitive than like having 10 teams be rebuilding and have 40 wins. Right. So I think baseball kind of got its, what it wanted by having the playoffs be a little bit more expanded. You keep these teams a little bit more together and a little bit more involved, and it keeps more fans involved and more players and um, a little bit more competitive than have kind of everything wrapped up by, you know, August. Yeah. Agreed. For sure. I think it's, it's, it's a good thing. And, um, you know, the, the attempt to get more fans in and keep fans in, um, is definitely honorable and hopefully can, uh, you know, can advance baseball a little bit more in, into popularity and, uh, you know, overall trade deadline exciting as always. Uh, it's fun to go on Twitter and just see, non-stop updates on things rumors and what's going on and who went where and this guy went here oh i wonder what that means and maybe there's a follow-up trade and oh my god it was it was it's always a good time so you know we'll we'll be back next week with a more normal episode this one's a little bit more uh special because you know obviously the trade deadline is you know a unique time in baseball we get it every year but it is always a unique time because there's always unique trades no one trade trade deadline is the same as the other but other than that, um, I don't know if you, if you got anything else here, but that's pretty much all I got for this episode. And we'll wait to see what comes of these trades and, and what's to come for the final stretch here of baseball, really. it's We're coming down to the last, uh, what, 60 games, something like that? Yeah, um, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, we're coming to the dog days of summer and the season. 
you know, this is where you see divisions one lost wild card spots taken teams get red hot to make a run through the playoffs. Teams get ice cold to, you know, lay an egg in the playoffs. This is kind of where it all starts. You know, side notes to things, you know, we were out in um, St. Louis and Kansas city. We've seen those games and teams and, and, and stadiums. Uh, I thought Kansas city was a very nice stadium. It's fans were uh, very interactive and involved in the team and the game. Um, even with them being lower, lower level, you know, team and, and competitiveness this year, they were still involved and, um, you know, love their team. Very uh, um, excited to see them and, and, and have them be there and play. So that was, that was pretty cool to see a low-level team still kind of draw some crowds and, and, and draw some uh, some hope from their fans. Um, we went and seen the Cardinals and Yankees play, packed the house. Cardinals, you know, won one nothing. Yankees struggled, been struggling here a couple of games, but the Cardinals stadium is as good as it gets. Um, it's just baseball, history of baseball, you know, not much, you know, uh, gimmicks in the stadium. You can come in here to see a real nice stadium, see a real good team, see the history. You're going to watch games, similar to Yankee Stadium, similar to, you know, Wrigley and Dodgers, those stadiums where it's like, okay, you come here to watch the baseball game and you kind of leave. Mm. Yeah. The cities themselves were pretty cool to see. Stadiums were really awesome. Our trip went, you know, really well. And that was, that was exciting. And then um, you know, a little little piece of baseball news, you have the Little League World Series starting and going on, so you have that time as well. So kind of a big time for baseball in just kind of every avenue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had a good time on the trip, saw some good games. The Royals fans in the stadium was rocking, even for a team that's, you know, not a, not that competitive this year. Uh, Cardinals fans showed showed out, Yankee fans showed out for that game. You know, that was an attendance record We we when we were there. So it was packed to the gills, and and you could definitely feel the momentum in the stadium. And yeah, Little League World Series starting up, so um, that's always great. Love watching Little League World Series. So in the world of baseball, that's fun times and just more stuff to watch, really. And we got the Field of Dreams um, game coming up as well. So still stuff coming, even though we're we're kind of winding down baseball here, and and football is going to be the one starting up soon which is a big time, you know, exciting for a lot of people. But, you know, again, other than that, um, you know, we had a good week, you know, being away and seeing the stadiums and um, we're excited for what's next in baseball. So again, uh, you know, unless you have anything else, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I'm good to wrap this one up. Yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Um, should be good to go. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts, well as Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can listen on our regularly updated YouTube channel, as well as our website, screwball.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at RealMikeLapri. You can follow me on Instagram, at MikeLapri. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at FDubs10. You can follow our official Screwball Twitter, at ScrewballPod. You can follow our official Screwball Facebook, at ScrewballPod. No Ian Screw. And that's it from us, guys. We'll see you next week. Yep. Take care.